The presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. Episodes 1 and 2 of Season 1 are ready for you and your students to play today, and it's completely free. To learn more about Classcraft and the new story mode, simply visit classcraft.com slash oneducation. If we wanted to start a nord, nerdcore, nerdcore metal band, Ooh. master master level villagers. Uh. Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will discuss why yelling might not be an effective way of communicating with our students, debate whether parents should be texting our kids at school. We will count down the top education podcasts, and our guest this week is an amazing educator, Jeremy Williams. I almost wanted to cut in there when you why yelling might not be. It's like, <laughs> thanks, Captain Obvious. Yeah. Hey, it's hey. a great article. It is a great we'll article. Talk about it a bit. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So. Listen, I, do you know who Jacob Collier is? I don't. I just saw it on the thing and I brought up his YouTube video. I haven't even listened to it. So I, 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 I imagine he's someone very popular because he has half a million subscribers. And I it looks like think, he's a musician. Yeah. I, I I would wonder if your brother knows who Jacob Collier is. I He might. He might. Yeah. Um, hot take here. Like, no joke, mm-hmm. Glenn. Yeah. Jacob Collier is the most talented living musician right now. Wow. That's pretty hot takey. <laughs> Standing by it. Standing by it. Okay. I've I never, guess I I've, never, I've never seen yeah. or heard someone that has more talent at playing like individual instruments. He plays all of them. Okay. Putting together like the the like composing it you know visually like videos like he makes youtube videos um he has a textbook academic knowledge of music theory and i've never seen anyone design harmonies better than him and in in most cases in his videos he sings every level of the harmony mm-hmm. There is not a more talented musician in the world than Jacob <laughs> Collier. I'm telling you. And I wanted to put it in the He won two Grammys okay. uh, this week uh, for for instrumental um, arrangements and stuff like that against, like, what's the guy that does Star Wars? What's his name? Brian Williams? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think you read it, right? Beat yep. Brian freaking Williams for a Grammy for mm-hmm. the YouTube video for Blue. Go look up a, a Jacob Collier Blue Moon. Um, but we're going to put his channel in the show notes. Wow. And everyone is going to get on the Jacob freaking Collier rabbit hole train here with me. And believe me, you're not going to you're not going to regret it. Um, we're, we're like such such different people, Mike, because I've been listening to I've probably listened to it now. I, I'm not exaggerating. I, I can look at my Spotify record as far as saying I've probably listened to it at least 500 times, maybe more. The new song by Eminem, Godzilla. <laughs> I haven't listened to any of that. No, you're listening to Jacob Collier, whoever this talented musician is, and I'm like, I love Eminem. <laughs> no, I 
the thing is though that I like I like rap <laughs> as well and I like Eminem and I will listen to it. I just haven't yet. Um so yeah. I, I will listen to it though. And then you I'll should. let you know what I think. Because I'm I would sure love... it's amazing. I'm sure what you're saying is, is amazing and the talented as far as a musician and those kinds of things. It'd be interesting to hear the style as far as the music yeah, too. It's pretty eclectic stuff. It's pretty yeah. wild. <laughs> Uh, I am losing sleep at night playing Minecraft mm. Hardcore again. Um, <laughs> I went back. I went from Minecraft Hardcore to Oxygen Not Included um, mm-hmm. to After Christmas back to Minecraft Hardcore. Um, but I'll tell you, man, I, I think this is the one. I think I'm mm. finally, I'm finally unkillable. Um, wow. Which is like the hard part. The hardest part. The first like fifty days are almost always the hardest part of Minecraft Hardcore. Um, you, you, my son actually Isaac was playing and he said he died um, in the first day, um, the other day because he he fell down a ravine, um, which is hilarious. But like at this point, I have diamond armor, full diamond armor, full diamond weapons. I have a village that basically I've walled off so that it can't be attacked i've put lights i've lit it up so nothing spawns Light it and up. i've started I've, I've bred all of the villagers by feeding them carrots so i have mm-hmm. like 30 villagers in this little village and i've started building like the job blocks so that i can give each of them jobs mm. um and then there's like three iron golems in the village so even if something did attack it, it the golems would protect them and i've leveled up almost all of the villagers to master level so i can get I basically have unlimited and because of my farms like so I have farms on my base and they're producing tons of like resources so I trade those resources for emeralds and then trade the emeralds for diamond pickaxes and diamond swords so I I I actually think I don't know how I would I would have to fall I think is like how I would die at this point which I'm probably going to do tonight That's now that I, I've mentioned it I was just thinking happen. that you just jinxed yourself and uh-huh. I was also thinking that Shoot. that was the the two minutes of the nerdiest talk ever. It's <laughs> a hardcore nerd flex. I've I've built up my 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 villagers to master level. I'm trading yes, emeralds yes. with them. Ma- master level society. Master level villagers is now exactly the title of, about, which is, is awesome. now the title of this episode. By the way, master level village. It's also a awesome band name. Hmm, um, I like it. If we wanted to start a nord nerdcore, nerdcore. metal band, Ooh. master master level villagers uh. would be there. We okay, so we have our growler already. Glenn is the growler. Uh, I'll be the uh, um. What's the Alexis on fire? Uh, I'll be the I'll be the singer guy, and you'll be the growler because all good metal bands have like the growler oh, yeah. guy and the singer guy. Kind of combo, yep. Right, right. <laughs> they, they double team it, so that's what we're gonna do, guys. Um, friends, we're we're creating a band. Um, <laughs> if you the play, if you play, <laughs> if you play drums, and you want to join Master Level Villager, the, the drums nerd, and a bass player. We we need him. We need drums and a bass player. <laughs> Um, we're starting a nerdcore band. It's happening. <laughs> it is. It is part of the new phase of on education. Mm-hmm. Um, new branch, you know. <laughs> right. So what? What are you? What have you been playing? I'm still playing the same old. Actually, the other day it was super fun. We played with Steve Isaacs, we and did. we got to, and we got to play not for long enough, but I think that it'll be something fun to go in and continue with. What's that uh, called again? 
quest good question. something quest explorer something i can't remember what it was <laughs> yeah but it was a zombie game where it was super funny and i i just really enjoy steve's commentary guys guys we're doing this I, i'm guys or, we're or doing guys this. i'm dying steve's always guys i'm dying Die, guys no i'm dying i'm guys. getting hit oh what's hitting me <laughs> <laughs> love playing with that Cause, guy because the only video game steve isaacs is really good at is starcraft every other uh, and minecraft but other yeah, than that but, he's generally terrible but he so loves he steve, loves playing yeah yes yeah and he's, he's very fun. fun to play with yes yes yeah, yeah. i love his I'm narration <laughs> i love i love his narrating us through things it's so freaking hilarious yes. guys i'm dying i'm dying something's hitting me oh god come help um <laughs> <laughs> so um we want to update people on 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 some stuff we've we our patreon site is rolling we have released our first full episode from last week on patreon so that's um patreon slash on education pod um head there and take a look consider um supporting us there um that would be uh, awesome of you um we have had i've had some folks dm me and ask me some questions about it so that's lovely keep asking them if you have questions uh on youtube we have now i think four episodes of the mm. bests yes. on youtube and after this week we'll have five that's pretty great I i'm enjoying the best and um props to claudio zavala jr who's helping us put those together and just had a really good talk with them today about kind of layout. We're still we're still messing with it a little bit, but I I think that if this is like considering where the podcast started in terms of like, and we talked about this on text, it's like the starting level of the podcast started at a way worse position than where we're starting at for video oh, in yeah. terms of like the quality level. Um, so if we're starting here with things like the best, I I can't wait to see where we're at with things like the bests and the, these full episodes a, a year from now. Um, it's it's going to be great, I hope. And, um, and, and at the very least, it's fun. And I think it's good, especially the bests and stuff. That's good content. And, yeah, and hopefully people enjoy that. Um, yeah, so please go check that out. We could use some subscribers on YouTube, friends. So, like, we know that, like, a over well over a 1,000 people download these episodes. Listen, if you're listening right now, just hit pause and, and go, go to YouTube. YouTube. Go to YouTube, search on education. Do us just a do us a click, favor, friends. Click subscribe. That's Smash it. that like button just once. For Actually, us. if click you go subscribe. check out the videos, those best videos, they're yeah, they're really well done. Uh, easy. I'd like I'd like e to think fun, so. Fun to listen to, and you get to see our faces and our lack of hair. Um, lack of hair. There and you go. My face turns <laughs> into a tomato every once in a while because I. <laughs> It's the way I do things, and I'm wearing a red sweater today, so it's even worse. Uh, it's pretty hilarious. Um, so we we referenced this this article uh, from Education Week a little bit earlier in the episode, um, but a a teacher or mm -hmm. a, I I think it was a future teacher or it may have been a current. Oh no, it says no, teaching for five years, spent uh, a day shadowing a grade four student, and mm -hmm. it didn't go well <laughs> she was doing it uh which i think is fantastic uh as far as an exercise as part of her leadership program to become a principal her name is ashley red and this is a fantastic read the mm -hmm. whole entire thing is is just 
awesome. Uh, she describes kind of the excitement of coming in and being like, you know, you get to go back and be back in fourth grade. And she had a buddy yeah. to basically kind of teach her the systems, you know, kind of walk her through the things and make sure she was, you know, do what was expected, you know, when she arrived to class and so on and so forth. And things were going super well. And not too soon after the day got started, did the not so good things start happening, which mm -hmm. basically were things that I think are things that we can prevent uh, as educators. Uh, and they, they're things that actually do upset me. And basically, it's, it has to do with some of it with just our attitude towards our students, uh, how we totally. interact with them. Uh, and like I said, in the in the in the lead up here, as far as yelling, you know, as far as it might not be the best way to communicate with our students. And we do it because we get stressed out, emotional. We don't know how to react to things. And we even do it by we. I mean, I myself have done it uh, not only in a classroom, but also, you know, it's kind of the same thing with my own kids. Mm. I never am going to get anything positive out of yelling or screaming at either my students or my own children. Yeah. It's something that you do because you've, you know, reached the limits of whatever it is, you know, uh, the stress levels or whatever it might be. Uh, and I'll, most of the time we don't even mean, you know, we don't mean to go to that dark place. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately at this, uh, in her experience here as a fourth grader, she had this happen several different times throughout the day, yelling at them. Uh, because they're not standing in the line right, yelling at them. And this one I personally have a problem with in the cafeteria. She perfectly describes it. She perfectly describes they walk into a cafeteria and it's finally a moment. They have these 20 minutes of precious time where I can finally talk to you, my friend, and not have someone yell at me. And I can talk yeah. to you about uh, you you do you have a dog yeah i do what's your favorite food you know these these fun conversations that she started it with but then everybody's talking at the same time and the way that our schools are built as far as in the united states these cafeterias we're serving hundreds of kids at the same time yeah and it gets really really freaking loud the yeah. pitch level just the vocal level of a kid is pretty high and yeah. There's not softeners as far as the, the way the buildings are designed aren't made to be able to, the acoustics are horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the supervisors, of course, you get flustered and frustrated. And what she was uh, writing in the article was things like they're yelling at them and, and saying, you guys are acting like animals. I mean, that part, I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm just raging. Um, and the reason why I'm really raging is because I have a little son. I have two sons, but the youngest one is really traumatized by this type of behavior from adults. Um, he doesn't, it doesn't fit well and mm. he'll, he'll start crying even though it's mm. not directed at him. So mm. for example, uh, in a cafeteria setting, the two, check this out. He loves school, right? Okay. So he loves whatever classes he's like, Oh, I love the writing. I love math class. I love it. He'll name, here's the two spots that he doesn't love cafeteria because there's some people that yell and he doesn't like that that's one of his worst parts of the day and second worst part of the day is phi ed because the phi ed instructors are loud and kind of yelly people and that mm. sucks mm -hmm. i think it just to me there's something that we have to reflect as adults is like 
these are little people. We don't need to communicate with them like that. We had to find mm-hmm. better ways of being able to go ahead and and uh, manage those behaviors. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, we want to make sure that they're not obnoxiously loud or whatever it might be. Find ways to be able to do that, but do it in a way that's not this type of thing. I just had to put this on here, and that's the reason why I've had kind of ranted here, um, is because it's personal. And I will admit that I was doing this too. And I was doing this as, again, as an educator and both as a parent. And anytime I did it, not only did I not get the intended results, but I was losing the respect from whoever these people are, whether it was my students or my own kids where they're like, what the heck's wrong with you, dad? You know, uh, and that sucks, you know, as mm-hmm. far as that. And that's because it's my own issues, the stress level, not enough sleep, whatever it might be frustrated with administration, whatever it might be the frustrations, they have nothing to do with the people sitting in front of me. And I admitted, actually, in our show notes that, I mean, I I wrote about this on my blog. I'll, I'll put that post in the show notes, but about getting mad at kids for not getting walking in straight lines. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think that a lot of teachers, I, I hope that, you know, so it took me leaving the class to really come to, like, a reckoning with myself about some of this behavior. Now, I wasn't like a yeller. I don't, I never like really, I never raised my voice. If I did in my classroom, it was only because like other voices were loud and I just needed to be heard, you know, over them to get their attention for some specific, like, hey guys, I want to show you something on the screen. Stop and take a look, right? It was that kind of stuff. It wasn't like anger or aggression. It was just, I needed Mm -hmm. to be louder than them so that they could hear me kind of thing for a second. Um, but I was definitely around teachers who did yell at their kids in anger like that and and um didn't didn't like it a, a lot and and even confronted one once um about it and you know what the other thing that I thought of was this, and I don't want to get too much because we we got mm. a bunch of other stuff to talk to, but I found it incredible that this teacher that is really the center of of this at least at the start had no like like it's called the Hawthorne effect, right? The act of being observed changes your behavior. It's mm-hmm. it's what we talk about when we're talking about like um, teacher teacher appraisals mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That they're they're kind of BS because like it's not the way things actually happen in your class because mm-hmm. you you change the way that you work and operate in your class because you're now being observed by your boss. This. Obviously, that didn't happen didn't with this it. one, which is astounding to me, to be completely honest. And maybe there was a comfort level between the two teachers, the observer and the the, the observee. Mm-hmm. But, like, like I would have thought that they would have toned it down. Like, let's behavior. not scream in front yeah. of kids in front of other teachers. Let's not you call know. them animals today. Mm, yes. No. It's like, wow. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> so anyways yeah that's uh, a lot of that stuff drives me crazy and 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 certainly um i had a bit of a reckoning myself with some of that behavior um and wrote about it a bit so i can relate to some of this too and uh, that's a super um interesting story about your son as well that that i've that's pretty interesting um hey so lots of interesting stuff on twitter this yeah. week twitter was there's, twitter was there's a super positive that i pulled from twitter Do and it. a super negative <laughs> Do them both. I can't wait. Let's I, let's. Do I'm going to start off with the super positive. Okay, just because yeah. I just finished talking about kind of a negative story there too. <laughs> we got to balance. There is a teacher who I actually we had the fortunate uh, 
uh, the fortune to be able to go ahead and interview him and then be able to hang around with both him and his wife. His name is Joe Merrill. And they wrote a, the interactive class as far as this book. And we interviewed them for the podcast just yeah. a, a few weeks ago at FETC. And he has one of the best, the most, uh, this should be the, the video of the year. I, huh? I'm calling it right now as far as the thing, as far as the, you know what Michael Matera talks about joy, you know, as far yeah. as like really bringing out that joy, both in students and in teachers and, and letting that drive you as far as in your career. Uh, talking about a video where you get to see pure joy out of these first grade kids, um, basically doing an experiment uh, in class and, and this, the support from the peers after this student basically successfully uh, completes this experiment. And it just and they go crazy and it's just so authentic and so beautiful and so many things, uh, unfortunately, too often, especially on social media, are just not that. They're not authentic and beautiful and 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 awesome moments. Yeah. And this is, and I'm actually bookmarking this damn thing. I've I've done it every day. I've like I have it bookmarked and I'm watching it in the morning just to go like just a smile. This is. This is what we do this job for like to see yeah. those kids' reactions and this is the reason why you know i want to bring out the best as far as my teachers as far as being an instructional coach and whatever else am i doing for education joe you freaking hit a home run with that first of all having that happen in your class and then having the wherewithal to capture that moment ah oh, my goodness and it's a diet mountain dew can i mean it was <laughs> a home it was a home run <laughs> It is. It so, is a great video. I'm watching. Beaut- it, I'm watching it right now while you're yeah. talking, and it's I'm just, smiling. Yeah, beautiful moments. You, yeah. you guys need to check out. We will make sure we link to it, and you can follow Joe. He is at Mr. Merrill's class. Highly recommend it. He has great uh, uh, resources and advice and all kinds of things. And of course, he's sharing things that are happening as far as in his classroom. Just awesome. Double R, double L. Yep. On the not so positive side. Okay. Uh, I put on the on on our notes just between me and you that I'm just tired of these anonymous teacher accounts. And the reason yeah. why is because of situations like the one that's just got, there's a, uh, a teacher account, an anonymous teacher account. And who the hell knows if it's actually a teacher, you know, I'm assuming it is, but who, who knows if it is, it sucks because this is a uh, teacher problems. That's the thing that this is actually at HS teach probs. And they write this Twitter post, which uh, just the thread underneath it is a must read because we need to kind of take a step back and really evaluate kind of what we're saying about our kids. And basically, I'm going to read you the thread. It says, I ain't tripping is probably one of the most annoying phrases a student can say. What are some other annoying phrases your kids <laughs> say that get under your skin? Hashtag stuff students say. Hashtag, and they even misspell teacher problems, <laughs> which someone <laughs> uh, put that on there. And just the premise of that, I feel that if this is an educator, that they would have not had the guts to do this yeah, on, under it. a regular account. I'm sorry, yeah. but you don't. You don't have the guts yeah. to actually put it. You would not have posted this for a variety of reasons. I mean, it's a bunch of things. Number one, it just it, it's a super negative, uh, just post in general. But then, this phrase that they pulled from there specifically, "I ain't tripping," is it's a very targeted 
two and and kind of like this gross underlying stereotyping racism and my goodness under the thread people were kind of saying yeah i hate when they say this and this other thing and this whatever it might be and my goodness you could see that there is a lot that we still need to learn as uh as educators um but i mean it's it's a it's a gross premise i hated it it says it it's it's one of those things that I wanted to make sure I brought up, though, because we can't just ignore it. We got to call it out to light and go, this is not right. This is inappropriate. And and to, and to live in that negative space is just, ah, you maybe shouldn't teach. That's what I say. You sh- if, that's, if this is the way that you're going to go ahead and use your free time and this is where you live, you know, as far as in your heart, you you shouldn't be around kids then, you know, this is not probably the space for you. Um, but number one, the being an anonymous account, God is so gutless because you can call out, basically you're calling out students with this phrase, you know, this saying mm-hmm. this thing and you're doing it without the, you, you go, no one's ever going to know it was me, you know, that kind of thing. So just really gross. And I had to make sure I called it out and there we go. <laughs> got it off my chest <laughs> oh boy uh this this it, it's funny actually but just just quickly on that that one last twitter thread this this one about the cell phone yes um, t- uh, parents stopped texting kids during class actually ended up i ended up like getting tagged in it at some point mm. um so it, it it caught my attention um because there was some like there was multiple threads to this this was mm. one of those you know um twitter conversations mm-hmm. that where one person replies and like it goes down this way and then another person replies and it goes the opposite direction so you got to kind of like pay attention to where the conversations are um and it's it's complicated because i mean obviously as a technology focused educator i you know, want cell phones in class. I think that they can be used properly. I think that there's teachable moments there for digital citizenship. I think that there's opportunities to do things on them that you can't do on other devices even. So I'm pro cell phone. Um, I'm also pro kids paying attention in class when you mm-hmm. need their attention. True, true. And I'm, I'm, I'm anti-distraction, you know, unnecessary distraction. So, Listen, um, I think this actually, we just talked to Noah Geisel um, for Dig It or Ditch It, and, and it came up, the, the idea of cancel culture kind of came up, mm-hmm. and, and, and one of the things that I brought up was all or nothing type positions. And I mean, if you've listened to this podcast enough, you know, one of my trademark sayings is mm-hmm. it's, it's complicated, friends. This is complicated. You cannot have an all or nothing position on texting in class. It's freaking complicated. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of moving parts here and it is not something you can solve with 280 characters. So stop, please stop trying. Um have the conversations, but don't dig in on all or nothing positions on on especially stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not worth it, people, to argue about this because it's complicated. You don't know every student's background. You don't know the situations. You don't know the health, the family, the whatever. So There's much. so much 
to talk about here. You don't know how the student learns necessarily. You got to know all of these things. It's just oh my god! It was the the it was like the un what are they what how do they say that the unmovable object versus the unstoppable force in mm-hmm. this Twitter thread. It was the worst. That was mm-hmm. the thing that bothered me the most about this this thread in particular it was that people were just unmovable, and we got to like we got to have conversations, folks. Be open to changing your minds. Yeah, and there's a strategy. There are strategies to towards making progress on this. And one of the sure. things I was thinking about myself was. Um, First of all, you're exactly right as far as there are so many teachable moments, but not just for our students, but even our parents. And what I'm talking about is this, is a open dialogue between you as an educator and the parents of your students, talking to them about before any of this even happens, as far as the class, during those first few weeks of class, when you make those calls and you do those proactive calls and you say, hey, I just want to introduce myself. You know, my name is Glenn Irvin and give them a little spiel and then say, you know, one of the things that happens as far as in my class that I want you to go and know about is I actually uh, believe that digital citizenship and having your cell phone is important because of emergencies and all these types of things and kind of lay it out to them as saying, if there is an emergency, I do want to make sure that you understand that they will take your text or your call. Yeah. But what I also want you to understand is that this time with them is precious that I have with them that and we're trying to make sure that they can do all the learning that they can. So if we can avoid any of these kind of, you know, just uh, incidental, uh, you know, uh, text messages. I love you, darling. Um, Yeah, whatever it might be, you know, whatever those things might be, or like pick up those groceries after school, whatever it might be, you know, because we all do those kinds of things. Maybe just save those, you know, and then then we can put them at a different time, not during the classes, because they will believe just like I would as a, as a, if I was your son or daughter, that it was something that I need to go ahead and respond, look at, yeah. and then respond to because I want to be respectful of you. So and have that conversation. And I, so many people will be like, that totally makes sense, Glenn. And we can work from there. There will be, of course, people that, you know, it, it may not work as easily there, but too often, we just don't even have that conversation, either with mm-hmm. our students, especially now with their parents, and, and and even us as educators, like coming up with the plan of like, how do we actually do this the right way versus, you know, versus the all ban, you know, like passing a law. So ridiculous, you know, like you had just talked about, you know, that they were trying to do as far as in Ontario. Mm. Just a stupid approach because like exactly what you just finished talking about mike it's super complicated so you need a multifaceted approach where everybody's working towards the same ends and if a student is distracted by their device then we need to do something about that but you know don't always go to the extreme end or yeah, the other extreme to go zero to a hundred in the first uh, step yeah on both nothing ends. does frankly oh. Yeah, so it's a it's a great conversation. It should be had. It should be had between you and your students, you and your parents in the community, and then obviously too the administration. Get them involved and make sure that you're following the guidelines that are set there. Um, but it's it's an important conversation, and it, ultimately, we are all we all need to be better digital citizens and 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 have these devices and still be able to communicate respectfully with our 
uh, colleagues, our friends, yeah. our family, and be able to have those interactions without this device, uh, you know, distracting you. Hundred percent. When we come back, the bests this week will count down some of our favorite education podcasts. It's right in our wheelhouse, man. On Education is brought to you by Fidgets. Fidgets are interactive USB sensors that bring your code to life. There's no soldering or wiring required. Simply plug in a fidget sensor, write code in your favorite language, and watch your ideas come alive. Fidgets are used by thousands of STEM professionals globally and are now available for computer science students. Simply go to Bitly Fidgets on Education to get your introductory kit that includes a free sensor worth over $50. That's Bitly Fidgets on Education. Welcome back to On Education and welcome to the bests. Every week, Mike and I take you through a list of our top things, from books to games, from people to ideas. This week, a topic near and dear to our hearts. We're going to share out some of our favorite education podcasts. There's something for everyone here, so let's get into it. So, I right at the top. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're not yeah, including yeah. ourselves because that would be just weird. No. Be like, right at the top is a <laughs> is a podcast that's... I think every educator in whatever field you are, from a paraprofessionals to, mm-hmm. or let's say even a student teacher, mm-hmm. uh, paraprofessionals, educators of any kind, doesn't matter the content area, administrators and everybody in between should be listening to this podcast. It is The Cult of Pedagogy by Jennifer Gonzalez. And there is so much goodness, so much to get from this, so much basically professional development to be able to garner from this podcast and from her blog posts also, uh, that it should just be required reading. There's mm-hmm. so many things that we reference as instructional coaches. We're like, oh, here's the article about this. And it's it's her article. And, and some of the things still relevant today were written or the blog or sorry, or the podcast came out years mm-hmm. ago. And they're still mm-hmm. relevant and accurate for today's thing. So Cult of Pedagogy by Jennifer Gonzalez. I wanted to make sure we put it right at the top. One of the one of the OGs of, mm-hmm. of podcasting with uh, with our with our friend Jeff Bradbury. Um uh number two, uh Teachers on Fire. Tim mm-hmm. Cavey, our friend, fellow Canadian Tim Cavey. Um really love his interview style. Um, love that he talks to a lot of the same folks that we talk to. So hearing um, his approach to talking to some of the same people has been really kind of interesting. Um, and what I appreciate the most about Tim is something that we take super seriously here, which is production quality, really honing the craft of podcasting, taking it seriously. And Tim does that. So um, he takes the podcast very seriously. It is his thing, just like this is kind of our thing. It's certainly my thing. Um, So, you know, he takes it seriously. We really appreciate Tim and his work on Teachers on Fire. And he's super obsessed, as he told us, with editing. And making mm-hmm. sure that everything is super tight and you can tell when you listen to this podcast, it is very tight. It's awesome yeah. to listen to. You could tell the production, like you just said, quality is amazing. Uh, the next one, we've actually talked about it, I think maybe the last episode, so we're giving yeah. her some more love, is Noah Daniels' yeah. Personal Playlist Podcast. Highly recommend it. it yeah. we've, we've both have had the privilege of actually being on it Mm -hmm. and it is so unique 
mm. such a unique take, and it brings out such great conversations because it talks about the connection between music, education, everything else in between, and kind of the things that it brings out and, and the conversations that you end up having uh, with Noah are phenomenal. So highly recommend that the Personal Playlist Podcast. She's PPD. super per- super personal, super yes. reflective. Yes. Um, it, it makes you think about you as a person, not mm-hmm. necessarily even you as an educator, um, which um, was was great. Like almost all the stuff that I talked about was it was very personal. Um, it, and listening, I listened. I actually, it's one of the only other podcasts. It's no. It's the only podcast that I listen to in advance of me being on <laughs> yeah. to prep for the explicit purpose of prepping oh, to yeah. be on it. Um, I listen to um, I, I can explicitly rem- remember listening to Jennifer Williams, mm. her episode, because I wanted to get a sense. And, and I actually it made it worse. It made it more, I was more nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so, more pressure. But- but but Noah, you're you're great. It's it's she's mm-hmm. you're a wonderful person to talk to. It was a lot of fun. Um, we we are both big fans of Mr. Mike Matera, um, and his podcast is well played. Um, it's also on YouTube, mm-hmm. and it's actually I think actually more listened to on or watched as a YouTube channel than it is as a podcast. Um, if I'm not mistaken, maybe Mike can um, you know chime in and let us know. But but I've been on it. I've been lucky to have been on it twice. Um, talked about Fortnite a little bit a couple times uh you know so you know and he's right in our wheelhouse like Mm -hmm. he's we're talking about games we're talking about play yes talking about being um you know joyful experiences and learning and learning with other uh having kids learn with other kids in 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 creating fun gamified or or game-based or play-based learning experiences for kids and that that's that's where we where we eat so um mike matera uh well played awesome podcast there the next one that i wanted to make sure we we talked about is comes from someone that i basically idolized so when she was going to come on her show i was so damn nervous you were actually geeked up about it i remember now i actually told her that too in real life just this last time we saw her i think i made her really uncomfortable so sorry but it's, it's, it's funny because now we work together with her uh-huh. like quite a bit so sorry uh, monica burns uh so monica burns has a podcast called class tech tips and it's coming up on its one year anniversary i believe mm-hmm. And it's really well done. If you only have a short period of time, she punch, she packs in, sorry, a lot into these 10 minutes or so uh, podcasts. And it basically follows along. If you love her blogs, if you love her resources that she gives, it gives those types of things, except in this kind of audio format, you can listen to it in the car on a 10 minute ride or whatever might be on a run. Uh, They are fantastic. They're well done edited. Uh, So Monica Burns, big fan, (laughs) maybe creepily, sorry. Uh, Class tech tips. Yes. Quite possibly, and Brad's, we're going to make Brad, I'm going to make Brad blush a little bit right now. How about I agree with you? Maybe the best interviewer in educational podcasting oh. is Brad Schreffler. Uh, this is the Planning Period podcast. We've both been on it. Yes. He's a great person to talk to. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed, yeah. like, the, the conversation. People talk to when So, what we hear all the time is 
how relaxed we are like as mm-hmm. people to talk to like they always say it, it, i don't feel stressed when we're interviewing with you um you know it's a chilled environment yeah. it's 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 easy you're easy to talk to and that's awesome um i, I find brad easy to talk to but but in a different way in the sense that um um, it's 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 still like really high level, you know. It was de- it was deep discussion with yes. Brad, and he's just great at bringing out. He 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 questions his questioning style is fantastic. Uh, big fan of Brad Treffler in the Planning Period podcast. I wanted to say about Brad too. He could have been like a therapist, you know, in a sure. different life. Because sure. my goodness, the stuff that I said actually on his thing, and I went back and listened, I'm like, where did this come from? <laughs> and I told him, I'm like, you brought some things out of me that yeah. I didn't even know I had in me. And actually, it inspired me. Uh, one of the the uh, keynotes that I gave was because of something that he brought out in me that I didn't even know I had inside of me. You know, I said yeah. a couple of things and he was like, oh, that's powerful. And he rephrased it, basically put it in there. He is freaking awesome. Brad Schreffler, Planning Period Podcast, yes. The um, leader of learning podcast, Dan Krinas. Dan is another one of those podcasters that takes the craft of podcasting seriously. And that is another thing that I, 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 I... The consistent nature of all of these podcasts, I think, is also one of, like, quality. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know for whatever it's worth there are a lot of podcasts that are just kind of thrown together and that's entirely possible and i think it's still valuable to get your voice out there and everyone should try um but then there are people that just want to take it and and put it at another level and dan's podcast leader of learning is definitely at another level as well so last but not least i wanted to give a shout out to friend of the podcast scott noons and his tnt edtech podcast uh the thing that differentiates their podcast and i've actually gone on it and my episode hasn't come out but just even being interviewed by them and listening to some of their episodes is just a different like enthusiasm that they bring to podcasting itself and enthusiasm for education and the things that are happening as far as in the ad tech space um, and that enthusiasm is contagious and it's mm-hmm. a fantastic mm-hmm. podcast the tnt ad tech podcast with scott noons uh, it's freaking awesome great logo yes i am a fan of the tnt ad tech podcast logo as a logo snob um <laughs> i'm a fan boys good job yeah so that wraps up uh our educational podcast list and you can always come back to this segment of the best by checking out our blog at oneducationpodcast.com or watching it on youtube just search for on education and check out the playlist want to support on education check out our patreon site at patreon.com slash on pod when we come back jeremy williams stay with us All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Jeremy Williams is the host of the Dismissed Podcast and head of school at Manor Hall International School in the United Arab Emirates. Welcome to the podcast, Jeremy. So glad to be here. Thank you for having me, Mike and Glenn. 
for the second time. We tried to do this yesterday, and you know things happen, and uh, so here we are. I really appreciate actually you because you're in UAE, which is you know on the other completely other side of the world from us. So you're up bright and early in the morning and at your school so that you can get that sweet internet access uh, and 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 recording with us. So I really appreciate you uh, you coming twice in a row early to your school to to sit and talk with I'm us. I'm deeply honored. I don't think you've probably ever had a guest on consecutive days before. The fact that you'd request me a second time so quickly, uh, I'm just humbled. I'm great. I'm grateful to be here. I can't wait to hear half your answers for the second time. <laughs> well, here it comes. So, so, um, so yeah, you live in the United Arab Emirates, but why don't we, before we get started, Give people a little bit of your background. Tell us how you got there, your your history, um, what led you to us today. That'll be really easy. I got there by plane. Um, no, yes. I, I was a, a lifelong educator. Uh, other than two years, I was living in the Gary, Indiana area. So I had been serving Gary, Indiana, um, Merrillville, Indiana, East Chicago, and Hammond, Indiana. And I went to Indianapolis for a couple of years. I learned from a great leader there. But I, I was on the very traditional, was a teacher for a bit, and then because I was good at teaching, um, they thought I should move into leadership, which is actually really stupid if you think about that. Like, There's no correlation between being an effective teacher and an effective leader. In fact, the skill set is, is not really similar at all. But anyways, I, I did that and kind of went back immediately to get my master's and my principal's license. And um, did a second master's and um, finishing a PhD now. Somewhere along the way, um, my wife said, you know, I never thought about, you know, moving abroad or, or like, you know, working abroad. And I had actually taken one class in my PhD program that was about being an expat in globalization in the global economy. And I was like, uh, not really. But then... Um, I realized that I had a friend who taught one of my classes in my master's program who was in Abu Dhabi. And I just like sent him a LinkedIn message, uh, total, you know, creepy move, just like haven't talked to him in like however many years. And I sent him this message, like, hey, so how's life? You know, how do you like it out there? And he's like, I, I love it out here. You know, it's this, it's that, it's the other. And so then like started to get pretty serious about it. And, you know, one thing led to another. Uh, and then I told my wife, hey, I found a job. What do you think? Um, we talked about it for a long time. Uh, and then my brother-in-law had the, the most brilliant advice of, of all, which was if it sucks, come home, which was like, yeah, I mean, you really think about it, you know, there, and I feel like the risk of trying something new in general is, is pretty low threshold. You know, if it sucks, stop doing it. If you don't like, even with my son, he doesn't want to eat this food. We'll try it. If you don't like it and stop eating it. Mm. So we came out and now it's, uh, we've almost completed our fourth year out here. So, um, it's been, uh, it's been a move that, you know, we felt really positive about, you know, so it obviously, it didn't suck. You've enjoyed your time out there. Um, and, but it must've been like different. There must've been, you know, some culture adjustments. You, you may Gary and I've been to Gary, Indiana. I mean, it's quite a bit different than the UAE in a lot of respects. Gary is like an industrial area for sure. Uh, when you drive through it, especially going to Chicago, you're driving through like a factory kind of zone for sure. Um, totally different than going to the United Arab Emirates. What's it like living and working in the United Arab Emirates, especially as, I guess, as an American? I, I'm, I mean, I guess also I should 
preface this by like I in Toronto, I live in the GTA and Toronto in the Southern Ontario is one of the most multicultural kind of places in all of North America and all of the world. In fact, um, it's got to be, you know, it's a totally different world than UAE. Yeah, I, I, I think it's there's a couple things mis like kind of misconceptions that people don't know. One sure. is, you know, for every 100 people that live in the United Arab Emirates, 85 percent of them are from somewhere else. So most labor mm. in this country, whether it's in the education sector, the financial services sector, um, anything, even even like your your labor, your hard labor, you know, people who are building and doing construction, it's all brought from somewhere else. So the local population is very small. So there are massive expatriate pockets of Mexican Americans and Spanish people and Australians, and so. It is very much a melting pot of people from all over the world. And the local people are really kind. I mean, um, we in our school here, we're in technically in a city called Alain, which is inland from Abu Dhabi by about an hour and a half. And it kind of forms this triangle equilateral between Dubai and Abu Dhabi. It, there are more locals here. It's probably about a 55% local population in this, in this city versus the others. And um, I don't know if you saw my Twitter page. I, I posted something on uh, Saturday. Like one of the families invited our whole staff out to the desert. They hook up this carpet with wheels to the back of a trailer uh, trailer hitch on a SUV. And they call it the magic carpet ride. And they just take you up these sand dunes. Uh, and all the kids <laughs> try to push me off. Uh, that sounds like fun. It's awesome. You know, I mean, there's a lot of kindness and generosity. One of my favorite stories about when local families here is this was this past year. New family to the school, uh, you know, says, oh, it was right after Thanksgiving. Oh, mister, do you like turkey? I'm like, yeah, sure. Turkey's good. And he's like, oh, Thanksgiving. You have Thanksgiving? I'm like, yeah, we just had it. It was it was really nice. Thank you for asking, Abdullah. He comes back the next day. Uh, and doesn't say anything, just walks into my office after school with this big bag, and it is a dead turkey. Just brought it to me, and for my consumption, for my pleasure at home, the neck was there and everything. And so then we played past the turkey for a while among the different administrators of who was going to take this home, but we did find a good home for the turkey. So, I mean, like, even though there are, I wouldn't say there's a, like, a full cultural understanding, like, the fact that, um, you know, even the locals, like, care enough to try to like yeah. engage with yeah. our customs is really cool i guess it leads us right to the next question which is i'm sure there's some perceptions from even your let's say your friends and family back home as far as what is it like to actually go ahead and live and actually work there and raise a family there and, and even be a teacher there um, because of the different customs um, i imagine there's some things that are just really so crazy out there but then there's some things that you just said it's it's just people being kind to each other yeah i think one of the biggest things that people think uh is that it's unsafe and mm. i even found the uh, i even found the perception hard to shake when i came home this past winter and all the stuff hap was happening with iran because there was one moment where they mentioned haifa and Dubai by name, um, that if, if things, you know, if things escalated any further, they would, you know, go after that. And then like, I had this moment and my family and I, we had this moment of what are we going to do? Are we going to, you know, send everyone back or just me? And to be honest, I really wasn't worried. Um, and, and I can explain why in a little bit, like 
I didn't have any massive concern about how it was going to be or if we'd be safe. The country's extremely safe. But I think you have to kind of look at the pathology of how the media works. Because mm. when when the shooting happened in Vegas at that concert, right, was a huge tragedy. And people were killed. Lives were lost. But the strip was still open the next night and people were still out. They were continuing their life as normal. So I always find it interesting, you know, that the mere mention of there could be an issue in Dubai was enough to have everyone, friends and family, all from a, like a well-meaning place saying, are you sure it's safe to go back? Are you sure it's safe to go back? I mean, I just think that um, when you come here, my mom, when I told my mom and my dad um, that and my, I love my mom and dad. This is by no this is no shade, as the youngsters would say to my mom and dad, like. My, I got two back-to-back emails, uh, and I had told them over the phone, but they had, they had responded later. And my mom's was like, "This is a terrible decision. You're ruining your career." I was like, "Okay, um, thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to take that into consideration." Oh boy! And my dad's was, "You're ruining your career, your life, and your family's life." Thank you, Dad. Um, and you know, I th- I think from that was a very normal reaction to have. Mm-hmm. You know, Hmm. Uh, I think that when my mom came, my mom and my 81 year old grandmother came uh, this past fall and they saw it. Um, They were they were shocked and they got Hmm. it. They understood. I mean, the fact that I never have to really worry because guns are illegal in this country and there's no way that some person's going to walk in and start shooting up my school. Hmm. Um, There's a it's nice. The fact that. You know, you can be arrested for flipping someone off in your car while you're driving. There's like a civility that's just kind of demanded. And I don't know if all of that is a bad thing. I mean, that would be my takeaway in in being here for four years. You know, um, there's way tighter cyber laws on what's acceptable to post on social media, you know, and how if you called out a, a server at a restaurant by name, they could come after you for defamation. I mean, and and I guess part of me would say, oh, you know, oh, you can't Yelp review, honestly. Oh, maybe that's an issue. But I think the flip of it is like, there's just this sort of general level of civility that's demanded here. And I never really have to worry about a drunk driver coming down the road and crashing into our car either, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that the, the misconception is it's so unsafe. I mean, Abu Dhabi was rated the safest city in the world, I think, three consecutive years, and Dubai was top seven. So Wild. I think when people come, they kind of go, oh, my goodness. Like, I did yeah. not expect it to be like this. So you live in the Middle East, but obviously, um, I mean, you you – I know that you pay attention to American politics still. You're still following. Obviously, you're an American, so you, you, you'll you vote uh, probably. No, you will vote, I'm sure. Um, and, and you're a Yang ganger. Like, I you am. are – you're in I'm on Andrew in. Yang. And Andrew Yang has come up um, a couple times on the podcast recently um, for, for a couple different reasons, which which I, I think is, is so hilariously coincidental that we're having you on because you're, you're, you're big on Andrew Yang. I have my blue Yang. shirt on. So, this, so, is, this is of Yang support right now. So even, even right now, I'm still oh, rocking you Yang. you have an Andrew Yang shirt on. boy. Nice. So – Tell us why you support Andrew Yang, because I'm super interested. And also, maybe also frame it in the context of that support 
and education. Like, why, as an educator, do you support Andrew Yang? Because I'm curious uh, about that as well. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty easy question for me to answer. I mean, I think that, that you remember maybe 15 years ago when fast food was evil and it was all about like supersize me and how, you know, we need to serve healthier food to people. We need to post the nutrition information and the calories on the food that we're serving to people. And now in America, when you go anywhere at any drive through, you're going to see how many calories is in the Big Mac. And we've had a lot yeah. of McDonald's talk before we started rolling in now. I realize that. Try to try to mitigate mm -hmm. that as we go here. <laughs> but I guess my point is what I feel like Andrew Yang does is I feel like he's putting the calories on everything. And mm. when he hmm. talks about higher education, uh, he wants to regulate the cost of higher education. And what I experienced in Gary was I was part of a, a network that really cared about kids. We used restorative justice fully. And we made, I mean, we made a huge impact on a lot of kids' lives when I was a superintendent. But what I know is our mantra was college or die. You're going to go to college. And what, what I also know is our persistence data did not indicate, like anyone who's going to be honest about this sort of urban get everyone to college mindset, is like when you look at, you'll get everyone there, but will they be there a month later? This is the real question, Right. And, you know, I had students who went off to college for three months. They have now $40,000 of debt. They're not going to finish their degree. And now they're working in McDonald's with a massive loan. And yeah. I just feel like from an economic perspective, he's really the only one talking about automation, artificial intelligence, the future of work in a way that is giving it any consideration. And I just kind of feel like everyone else is just waiting for the iceberg to hit and then they're going to react. So for me... It's really his kind of vision around higher education, pretty outspoken against the cost of higher education. And I, um, that's some of what we'll talk about with financial literacy later. But uh, I just think economically, he's the most sensible. And I don't even really necessarily think he'd run as a Democrat if he didn't have to. I think he, that's just kind of where he falls. And I think similarly, I'm not really interested in any sort of party. I'm more interested in trying to solve some of the problems that we know are massive in the United States. I mean, I, I'm not sure that any of us, the three of us, I mean, I, I, I guess I can speak for myself. I, I, I don't think Andrew Yang is going to be the president of the United States. Just, I mean, I follow the politics enough and understand the polling enough and, you know, where things are going to know that that's not likely to happen. But what I'm really, really, really concerned about is making sure that he has a voice at the table, a seat at the table in the future. Because I think that if you've listened to what we've talked about related to Andrew Yang, I think we can all probably agree that like some of this future of work stuff, the automation stuff and how that relates to like our kids and how we teach, this is important stuff. And he is the only one talking about this stuff. And I think that just like Bernie Sanders in 2016, how he moved the needle on a ton of issues, minimum wage and, and, and tuition and stuff like that. And, and obviously incredibly moved the needle on healthcare. Um, you know, Andrew Yang is going to be the person that moves the needle, I think on things like UBI and and um and stuff like that um so so i i i think we're on the same page we 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 think that he's an important voice right yeah i i think that he has the 
he is the most future oriented of all mm. of the candidates right or left. And I think that uh, as someone who has young children, I think about that. I, I'm not really thinking about what's going to happen over the next four years. That's really not my concern, especially for me. You know, likelihood is that we'll be somewhere else. I think for me, the biggest thing is like, where is the country heading over 15, 20 years? Yeah. And, you know, I I look at the, you know, I, I, I hear him saying things like we need to prepare for the future of work. But the thing I like about him is I don't hear him saying every kid needs to be a master coder. You know, like we we've kind of fallen into some one note things, educationally speaking of like what what the future means, what type of skills we need. Like I've just been this like my my passion project right now is I watch a documentary when the kids go to bed of some great human being every night. And Mm. I've been doing this now for almost a week. And here's the thing that I've taken away. 21st century skills, critical thinking, problem solving. I didn't really see jack of that from these people. I saw really hard work <laughs> and a little bit of talent that got nurtured with really hard work. And so I think that like we've kind of lost a bit of, you know, I, I think that inquiry matters. I think that knowledge matters. But I think like if we don't find ways to model and facilitate like hard work in cultivating that within kids, who cares if they can code and they know Python? Like if they're lazy, you know, like I, I don't know that it's going to make. I can agree a with that. Liquor. I'm experiencing as a as a parent. I'm experiencing a bit of this at the moment, um, and and I, I think that I've missed a bit of the parenting boat when it comes to instilling not just like those soft skills that we're talking about, the 21st century skills, but the actual like. It's time to get your butt going and do some work now. Watch the Conor McGregor documentary on Netflix. Interesting. And you really, it, it, it's not educationally oriented at all, obviously. Oh, but he it's swears a really, like a pirate, probably. A really I love great Connor. insight to someone who's brilliant <laughs> and, and someone who's an exceptional at what they do and kind of yeah. their approach to things. And it, huh. it made me really start thinking. And I, I think I'm guilty of that too, Mike. I, like, I with my kids, like there, there's times where, um, you know, my wife is Mexican American. She moved to the United States when she was six years old. Her work ethic is a whole different level. And the, the, her experiences and her mindset on what our kids need to be able to do, you know, like the work ethic is everything. And I've kind of just figured out that I need to make sure that like I'm modeling that and supporting that too, because, you know, life was much harder for her than it was for me. And, I think that uh, if I don't, you know, you know, and they really talk about grit, but I don't really think grit's measurable or like, I don't think you can really contextualize that in a way that is necessarily like teachable. Like how are you going to teach grit? But working hard, you can, you know, like you can, you can work hard at anything. And I, I think like, I've just been kind of enlightened into thinking about how that interplays with all of this 21st century stuff. Hard work is learnable too. Like you can learn to be a hard worker. You can instill that habit in yourself at a young age and that carries forward. It's something that that you can like um, not just model to your kids, but then they can like learn it and and live it, you know, you know, going on into the future too, I think. Yeah, totally. I think the difference now Right. Where this this future of work, AI kind of stuff interplays with that is like they can channel that, you know, before when we were younger, 
and I don't know, I'm not going to date everyone with their age right now, but I'll just assume at least, you know, <laughs> given the level of the lack of hair on our heads that we're probably mm-hmm. in our mid to late thirties for sure. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take, take that. it. Yeah. I'll take it. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think, you know, the, the thing is that like, maybe now that hard work can be channeled into something they're passionate about where before it wasn't really where it was directed. You know, you, you're going to do it in this sort of manner or in this way, mm-hmm. like the economy didn't allow or the gig economy didn't allow or the internet didn't you know didn't provide this ability to create content at a young age Mm. or so now it's like okay you like fortnite awesome i'm really glad my my oldest son loves fortnite and he's really freaking good for a six-year-old at it so okay what what are you going to do with this and how are you going to work at it and that conversation is something that's really kind of rattling around my head a lot and i think like the role that schools play in teaching like i see a lot of projects like getting churned out on Twitter, you know, I see these like artifacts, but I don't see a lot of artifacts that require a great level of craftsmanship, you know, like where you can tell that kids produce this children's book and it is professional quality. And like, they got that sort of like persistence through multiple drafts and iterations of something. And that pride that comes from creating something that took a lot of work to do. Jeremy, the, one of the real reasons, not the real reason, but the reason that um, we had decided to, to have you on, we wanted to have a conversation about financial literacy. Um, and then all of these other great topics kind of came up because we're friends and it was I knew it was going to be an awesome conversation. But financial literacy is, is why we're here. There aren't even a lot of states and provinces in Canada that even talk about financial literacy at all. And this is why I think you're passionate about it. And um, Don, your friend, Don Wetrick, our mutual friend, Don Wetrick, is very passionate about financial literacy as well. So let's just do a primer first off, because I think that I think that there's people listening that may not even know what the hell we're talking about in some cases. What's financial literacy? Yeah, financial literacy is really at its core, your relationship with money. And it's it's really broken apart into spending, saving, investing, and earning. And mm-hmm. it's it's about uh, having an understanding of those things. Because what I deal with in the Middle East, which is very different than America, if they're Arab students, their parents are saying, you will be a doctor or an engineer. Those are the only two career paths. So like, if you had a career interest survey out here for kids, there would be only two options. Doctor or engineer, and that would be it. Uh, And depending on what their father did, that's probably what they'll do. I think the difference is what we're trying to have the conversation with with kids is is around this idea of it really doesn't matter how much money you make if you don't have good habits. So the way that I explain this to kids and adults, because adults don't have great habits either, um, I take two Starbucks cups, you know, the what's the smallest one, the grande and then the venti. And who knows? Man. Yeah. What who, I've who done really is in the venti cup, I've cut out the bottom, right? So I take a bottle of water and I say, which one of these cups will hold the most water? And everyone says, you know, it's going to be the big cup. The big cup holds the most water. So I take two bottles. I pour one bottle into the small cup that has the bottom and miraculously it holds X ounces. And then I pour into the one that has no bottom and it just goes right through because mm-hmm. it's really not about what your salary is. And that's the part that adults and kids are missing. They're going, how do I make the most money possible? If you don't have good habits, if you don't understand 
how money works and you don't understand, uh, you know, the, the idea of expenses, it really doesn't matter how much money you make. So one of the examples that I would make is, you know, you, the cost of your degree, and this is what we're working with with seniors right now, Mr. Chris, shout out my financial literacy teacher. We have a, a mandatory, we're, we're starting this in the elementary, but then we also have uh, a grade 12 class that we've gotten from Choose FI, which is a really great financial independence podcast. Uh, we, we've used their high school course. And like what we're saying is like, okay, what's the cost of your degree? Because they know where they're going at this point. And then we say, okay, where do you anticipate you'll live? What's the median cost of rent where you're choosing to live? How much will your student loan payments roughly cost? How much will food cost? Will you need a car? What does car? We go through this process with them because what we want them to understand is that actually their first adult financial big decision is the cost of their college, right? That is the first massive adult financial decision they make. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we want them to be informed. We we have parents who say, I want to send my kid to America. Depending on where they're coming from, that may be a good option. You know, maybe if they're coming from India or Pakistan, the U.S. diploma, U.S. degree is going to really help them when they move abroad. Because it is true that depending on, you know, where you're from and what your de- where your degree is from, that can make a difference for, for different people, depending on where they're coming from. But I think for us, what we're realizing, I had a, a student, and I just saw her yesterday. She came back to visit. She graduated last year. She wanted to be a veterinarian. Well, you know, the veterinarian program in the United States and Canada that we looked at were eight years, about 350, 375,000 U.S. dollars as an international student uh, because she's South African. Mm-hmm. The, the, we found a program in Hungary. It was five years and it was like $180,000. So it was less time. It was uh, less money. And then we, you know, with our counselor, we went through like, okay, what are the pros and cons of this? And, you know, now her and her sister will go to college for the total amount of money that she would have just gone to go to America. And, you know, I saw her yesterday and I asked her, how is Budapest? And she said, oh, it's, it's okay. You know, I, I don't think she's necessarily loving it, but, you know, she's going to reap the benefit of that financial decision for years to come uh, as an adult. And, I think that's kind of sort of the preface for the the bigger kids and for the smaller kids. You know, in KG, we start with needs versus wants, just a very simple concept. This is not, you know, getting them to have money market accounts or something uh, or we're talking about 401ks. We're just like trying to get them to understand the difference between those things. So I just think that um, it's not even just about money. It's also about how we look at resources on this earth. And I think there's a a lot that, that goes into this. But we've been... I'm really happy and I'm really encouraging more schools to have this conversation uh, with their students. And I'm finding that the teachers are enjoying learning about some of these principles, too, because like them, like the kids, none of this was mandatory learning for us. And I've made bad financial decisions um, because of a lack of financial literacy education from when I was younger. So um, that's kind of the the 100 level view of what we're doing. Pretty awesome. I, I mean, just from someone who has a an extraordinary amount of student debt, if I would have had someone just speaking to me about out-of-state tuition, for example, just that in itself would have been a great conversation. Of course, I would have never met my wife, though, so I don't know. <laughs> that, you know, probably a, a good thing. Opportunity cost to everything. For her. Exactly, see? <laughs> um, but things like, uh, you know, out-of-state tuition, uh, 
what it, what career you're actually choosing and then how much debt you're going to accumulate with that decision to go to that specific school. Uh, since I was first generation going to college, it was like, do whatever you have to do to be able to get there. And yeah. that's the what we, I did. I took out a crap load of loans and um, eventually the year, the interest starts accumulating at at great uh proportions and and just basically uh, uh buries you financially um so yeah no that's fantastic that you're having those conversations so what are some resources as far as our the teachers out there um that want to go ahead maybe even at different levels jeremy yeah um i would say that choose fi is doing the best. They have a financial literacy K-12 curriculum and mm-hmm. it will, It's we're piloting uh, a lot of it right now. Uh, and they're, I think it's the best done. Why? Because as a teacher and as a principal, I don't have to ask teachers to write objectives. I don't have to ask them to find resources. All of it's included. And I know they're interested in other schools, um, you know, trying some of these lessons. And for us, it's embedded in math class every two weeks. Uh, Hmm. with the little kids. Uh, And then with the big kids, it's a semester long class that meets in a block schedule for 70 minutes every other day. And we won't get through all of the curriculum, even going at that rate. Uh, There's lots of other ones that I have less experience with. EverFi is one. Um, And so I think like there are no shortage of people or resources, but I would start with the Choose FI people um, and contact them. Danielle is, uh, is the person who is really taking the lead on that project. And if you contact Choose FI on LinkedIn, on Twitter, or through their website, I'm sure they'd be more than willing to help and assist. Awesome. And we'll put those links in the, we'll put that link in the show notes so people can click on it and check that out. The question that we leave our guests with, the last question, um, I'd love to know what three pieces of media have influenced you the most that you'd be able to share with our listeners? It can be a YouTube channel or a streamer or a book or a movie or a TV show, whatever, whatever has shaped your thinking over the last, um, you know, your time as an educator, what, what are, what are those things? If you want to share three. Sure. Uh, first one, easy one, uh, how to lead a movement. It's a, it's a Ted video. It's very short and, um, it's a, it's about it's a video of the lawn at some outdoor music festival with this shirtless guy dancing, and he's dancing by himself, and he talks about how he gets the entire twenty thousand people to start dancing with him, and it's a lesson in leadership, and I think it's I've really seen this. it's great. Yeah, I love that video, and I yeah. think there's so much truth in the lessons that uh, I think it's Derek Sivers who who leads that one. Love that video. Second one would be. Austin's Butterfly. It's a, a video from the Expeditionary Learning Network. I used to work with them. Um, brilliant people. Uh, they wrote a lot of the Engage New York curriculum. And it's a, Austin's Butterfly is a video that is about the, the potential of work that young people can create if they're given specific and thoughtful free feedback and they go through multiple drafts. So basically he um, is drawing a butterfly. They're, they're making these like postcards, these scientific drawings. And when you see the final product that this first grader can do, most people would look at it and never believe that that work could come from a first grader. And um, the video kind of demonstrates like um, having high expectations and giving really high quality feedback, like what the impact on on student learning can be. Uh, and, 
if I'm going to like talk about a third piece, uh, I don't even really know what I would say other than probably Ted Dintersmith's um, last book. And I'm, I'm seeing the, the, the front of it because there's like a pencil on it, but I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but this book uh, really challenged a, a lot of the ways that I think about education and specifically around uh, college. So I think it shaped a lot of the ways that I'm looking at kind of the college process for our kids now. Um, what School Could Be, there you go, by Ted Dintersmith. Uh, so those would be my three. Um, if you want to talk about my three pieces of media that uh, impact me as a, a NFL football fan, we can do that on another episode. <laughs> That's awesome. So Jeremy, how do people connect with you? Uh, ask questions or be able to go ahead and you know follow up here? Uh, by having me on a podcast, that's one option, but another one would be, um, reaching out through Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, I don't, I I'm still on MySpace, and that's where my favorite social network is. So, uh, most people aren't on there anymore. I'm not going to do Facebook or Instagram or anything. You're, you're so, still living in MySpace. Friendster and MySpace for me are where it's at. So, uh, um, yeah, I, LinkedIn and Twitter are the best way. Like I'm really focused on, helping people um, learn about international education right now. There's a lot of educators that are burned out and pissed off and like sick of dealing with whether it's like state standardized assessments uh, or bureaucracy policy. You know, it is um, a much more open, uh, uh, like teachers have way more agency as a teacher in an international school because you're on a two-year contract and then you can choose to go somewhere else. And so, you know, the administration has to work harder to keep you and you have this agency that I think is really valuable. So if people are interested in that, um, I'm always happy to connect around international education and I'm going to be doing some hiring really soon. So, uh, people are interested. Nice. There it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to talk to people about that also, especially from the PLN. So I'd love to get like this PLN lab school of like like awesome. brilliant people all in one roof for a couple of years and just see yeah. what sort of impact we can blow the doors off the place. Amazing. Jeremy Williams. This has been great. Thanks so much for joining us. I can't wait to do it tomorrow. So I'll see you guys bright and early. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Thanks for listening to on education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn on education is part of the on podcast media network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. Want to support on education? Visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash oneducation. There, you can get access to full videos of the podcast and so much more. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or a review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. It helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening, stay awesome, and see you soon.